Do you feel like you're barely keeping your head above water? That no matter how hard you try, meaningful progress remains out of reach? Heather gets that. She battled an eating disorder for years before seeking help. Now in recovery, Heather is here to tell you that positive change is possible even when it doesn't feel that way. Join her as she shares openly about her struggles and small triumphs. Fair warning, though. Heather doesn't hold back. Her candid story may trigger some. But for those wanting honesty, hope, and healing, this is 1% Better with Heather. The information and stories shared on 1% Better are based on host Heather's personal experiences with eating disorders and mental health challenges. Heather is not a licensed doctor, therapist, dietitian, or other health professional. Her advice and opinions should not be taken as professional medical advice. Please consult your physician or a qualified health provider regarding any medical or health-related issues. 1% Better also contains descriptions of eating disorders that may be triggering for some listeners. Discretion is advised. Hey there, my little gaffers, and welcome to the 1% Better podcast. I'm your host, Heather. It's funny because it rhymes. <laughs> so today on the podcast, I have a very special guest. It is Recovery Dad, as he's known on TikTok. And Recovery Dad is exactly that. A dad trying to get his daughter through this eating disorder, eating disorder recovery hell, and in the process has become everybody else's dad on TikTok. Welcome, Recovery Dad. Hey, Heather. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. So let's just jump right into it, shall we? All right. Definitely. Tell me how you got brought into this hell of eating disorder land. Well, my daughter, it stems from her mainly being bullied. Like she was overweight, you know, but she was fine. But, you know, according to the other kids, she was overweight. She went through quite a bit of bullying. And then it just, you know, snowballed from there. You know, she was, we were homeschooled um, after the pandemic. So they never went back to school, both of my kids. And so she wanted to go to high school. And so prior the year going forward to high school, she started changing her diet and eating clean, exercise and all that, all the indicators that I now know that I had no clue of before, obsessive exercising down here in the basement on the treadmill for an hour, easy. But we thought she was just trying to be a different person for high school. And then it just snowballed into this. And that's a really easy things to miss because you just think, well, she wants to exercise and she wants to get healthier. And being a teenager, and I was a teenage girl, you're trying to fit into a constant box all the time and fashion changes and trends change. So yeah, like why, why would you think any different? We, we just thought so, she was trying to be a new person. That's it for high school. She didn't know anybody, so we thought she was going to be a new person. That's it. So what was the light bulb moment? Like the aha moment? Well, where you were was, like, oh, shit, this is getting bad. She would get very worked up because of no friends in high school yet. And she obviously had an eating disorder at the time. And she would get so worked up about school, she would end up in the nurse's office. 
And the nurse, you know, my wife, she would call my wife, Olivia's this, blah, 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 and say, you know, just lay down, please, you know, this and that. And then one time the nurse, she took her um, her heart rate and blood pressure. She's like, she told my wife, she's like, your daughter's heart rate is 40. She's very cold. And that was, you know, very bad, you know. And so that's when I took her to a doctor. And then when they took her weight and my wife saw her and then, you know, try to figure out what is going on. And it was just questioning, questioning, you know, she didn't come right forward and say anything, but it was just many questions until she finally said that she does need help. And was there a process during all this, like, because when you see someone every day, maybe you don't see that they're losing amount of weight that they are was she wearing baggy clothing was she layering up like was she oh, trying yeah. to disguise what was happening most definitely yes you know the the very baggy clothes hoodies everything was a couple sizes too big but my other daughter dressed the same way so it was you know the style you know you, you don't think nothing of it and as you know people with an eating disorder are very slick, very, they know how to hide things. They're smart, you know, because they're basically being told what to do in their head and at all costs to hide it. So, because if, when it comes out, then obviously if you have good parents, trust, you know, caring parents, they're going to try to stop this and very, very good at hiding it. Very good. But one, you know, when you questioned her enough, she finally came forward because there was really no way she couldn't deny it any longer, you know? Yeah. And so you, I live in Canada, you live in America. Uh, do you live in a cold state? So, I mean, here in Vancouver right now, it's like negative 15. So I'm wearing like a thousand layers. It's cold. So like, did you notice like, so from like September to let's say April, it could be very, very cold. Like, would you even notice? Yeah, not because obviously I'm in a cold state. I live in Illinois. So like right now, it's colder than it is your house right now. And here, obviously we use Fahrenheit because we're the one special country in the world that still doesn't use your system. Um, so Sunday night, it's going to be minus 10 below Fahrenheit. And right now it's about 15 degrees Fahrenheit. So very cold, probably colder than you are. And But this is even happening before that. So when this temperature, uh, her heart rate was taken, I'm sorry. It was like October because she only went to about a month or so of school. And then we pulled her back at home school. She just couldn't do it. But even even in the summertime, the springtime, they would wear the same clothes. My other daughter as well. Hoodies, baggy stuff. So we just chucked it up as that's what they're doing. Right. So you, what, what does your <laughs> wife think about all this? Like how does she fit in? Oh, she is to the take my daughter's care or to what exactly do you mean? Like with my daughter? Well, like because she's homeschooled and I know backstory. So tell the people okay. where your wife fits okay. into all Okay, this. my wife is her primary, I wouldn't say caregiver, but she takes care of everything with my daughter. Since uh, both my daughters are homeschooled, my wife is, we've been very fortunate since. When she was pregnant with Olivia, 
she went on maternity leave, got her first clients. She has a medical business. She's done at home. So she has never had to go back to work. So we're really lucky with that. She still works at home all the time. So she's the one who takes Olivia to therapist, dietitian, um, psychiatrist, anything, any appointment. You know, my wife is the one just sitting around with her. And my daughter is different, I think, in a lot of sense of a lot of girls. A lot of girls are either a mama's girl or a daddy's girl. You know, they're usually not both the way. But she is 100% on a lot of things. She's both. Like my wife, if, she, if Olivia is feeling bad and she needs someone, she comes right into our room, goes to my wife's side of the bed, talks to her, and they leave. So she'll come to my wife primarily for everything first because that's how it's always been. Because she's they've been at home. I work long hours. So I'm home for a couple hours, then it's bedtime for me again. But, you know, me and Olivia talk and she's always goes with one of us. So we all have a great relationship, but my wife, she does everything for her meals, figures them out. She gets a lot of the bad meals when Olivia would, you know, it'd be, it could be yelling, screaming, pretty violent. And my wife would be the one to handle all of that. And if you're comfortable with answering it, how does your wife deal with all that? Like, that's a lot to take on, right? Oh, like, that's a, it's really abusive at the end of the day. Like, not to rag on your kid, but I'm the one with the eating disorder, and I know what I've said to people, and it's not pretty. So that's no. a lot to take every day. How does your wife cope with that? She doesn't handle it well sometimes because it's at first it was incredibly hard for us until we knew more about the eating disorder how much of a mental illness and it wasn't that person, your daughter speaking to you to hear your, your, your child yell at you this way. Yell, I don't care. I hate you and all these things. And it, it's hard to hear your child who you love more than anything, your kids say that to you. And it takes its toll on my wife. Definitely. Cause she hears it all the time. And sometimes, honestly, she's like, I, I don't know how much longer I can do this, but that's just frustration and it all piling on top. And she knows she's going to do it as long as she can't to the end, you know, whatever, until Olivia is recovered and healthy enough and is doing a lot of stuff on her own. But it, no, no doubt, hundred percent, it takes its toll on my wife and the stress level. My wife, she's like, I, I need to talk to someone. I, I think I need to see a therapist, which I, I agree. But unfortunately, right now, she has no time to do that. Our our health comes last. The kids come first, hundred percent. Yes, I totally under, I totally understand that. Yes, of course. And unfortunately, there's no that I'm aware of, like an Al-Anon. Like you know, if you have an alcoholic or a drug user in your right. family, there's a family support called Al-Anon. And there's a bunch of people like, again, a group therapy session. I don't know about that, anything like that for eating disorder recovery. Like there isn't what you're just supposed to take this abuse all the yeah. time. <laughs> Apparently like here. Yeah. It's called like, um, when in, you could even, you know, in with alcoholics and other things, you get sponsors, you get people who've been through it, done it. And then they talk you down. They help you. With eating disorders, nothing. It, it, it's 
that's the problem with eating disorders. There's not a lot of awareness with it. You know, people don't want to talk about it. It's like taboo or, or whatever, you know, it, it's no one wants to touch it. And there's so many kids, even what they say, the reported cases are a couple hundred thousand a year. I'm not sure if that's worldwide or probably United States, because that's one of the studies I was reading. But, you know, there's many more than always oh, the reported yeah. cases. And they say the recovery rate is like 21 percent. That's reported cases. You know, it, the numbers. It isn't the number, you know, it, it's there is nobody for support like this where that's been through it that can help you that's why you turn to other places and other people who are going through it that's why i started my page well let's roll into that one then tell me why why did you start your page i first off when i started the recovery dad the the tiktok page i went to olivia first and foremost i said do you mind i figured this is a good way where i could learn and, you know, to help you. And I said, it might help other people. You know, it's it just, just to basically just to learn. And she had no problem with it. She has obviously has a TikTok account. She is blocked from my account, so she cannot see it. She's on, She can see my other TikTok, the one for stupid cat videos and funny stuff like that. That's fine. But this one, she is blocked. And it, it was even hard to do searches on TikTok because if you type in the word eating disorder that I learned quickly, it just sends you to a number to call if you need help. So you had to use the at sign and all these other things. When I first found the first couple of people where I started following, I looked in their bio and I could see how they wrote things and put things out there. I used the word recovery a lot. And that's how I started. And I just started following people. I know it's hard because I'm a 51 year old man and I'm following, you know, 18, 19 year old girls. It, at first it was, I didn't know how they would feel about it. That's why I put in my bio, following you to learn. And I did my opening video and mid August of this year of 2023, I'm sorry, last year. And it just went crazy since that, you know, we're talking not even six months I've been doing. This. And what would your, what's your message like to everybody who follows you? What is the end, not the end goal, but what is the the goal of it? Oh, of my, my page, the goal is obviously just to keep building a community to learn from now that it's like, like that people call them their followers. I call them my family because I become so vested in some of these kids because I see them daily. I see them hurt. I see them happy. And I, I've done a video about that. And it's it's just to learn from each other and basically support each other. Because, you know, you know, bad days. They're horrific. And you think the world's going to end. And it's bad. And you just need someone there just to listen, to support you. I mean, the amount of DMs I get is, wow. It, it, I never thought it would be like this. I mean, especially the popularity but most of them are kids who had like a disassociation with their own father who they got no support from their dad, which is horrible because it's, it's your, most of them are daughters or kid, girls, you know, and, but it, it's just a big support page. That's the way I look at it and learning, learning and support. And that, 
that is everything, right? Building a village, getting the support, because there is no support out there. What would what would your message be to all your followers? Like what what do you want like let's just say like your legacy to be? That's a tough one. Um is to get that (laughs) that recovery rate way up from twenty one percent. It oh my gosh. Just to man, that's a tough one. That's a big question. (laughs) <laughs> it's just everybody to learn and support each other no matter what and you know god help us all recover which is i know that's a lofty goal you know go from 20 percent to 100 percent. support each other and just take one day at a time and and that's it it is one day at a time that's all for this episode of one percent better To continue the conversation, head over to our website at www.1percentbetter.ca, where you can access more stories and resources. We'd also love it if you subscribed and left us a review on your favorite podcast platform. And remember, friends, progress takes patience, perspective, and sometimes a little help from people who get it. So be kind to yourself and others as we work to get 1% better every day. We'll see you back here next week.